Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. I have enjoyed our, our service so far. I would like to return to 1 John this morning uh, to continue my series in 1 John. I don't know if you remember that or not, but um, I started a series in 1 John quite a while ago. And last time I preached from there was back in April and then uh, took a sabbatical from the series uh, because our Sunday school lesson was going through 1 John. And uh, now that that has moved on, I thought maybe it'd be okay if I pick this back up again. And um, I'd, I'd like to finish it off by the end of the year, but uh, I, I won't necessarily just keep preaching on First John all in a row, so um, we'll see what happens, I guess. The last time we studied First John, it was the first six verses of uh, chapter four, I think. And I'd like to pick off in verse pick up in verse 7 of chapter 4 in 1 John and, and hopefully cover this, the rest of this chapter, 7 to 21. This is the third time in this letter that John circles back to the subject of loving each other. So time number three. He already talked about it in chapter 2 and said basically, uh, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. In chapter 3, he said, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Don't be like Cain. Uh, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Let's not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And so what's left? What is there left to say about this subject of, of loving your, your brother? Um, in this passage, a major emphasis is, is how loving your brother relates to knowing God and, and abiding in God and how you can't really love God and not love your brother. And um, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to study these verses uh, verse by verse. I'm not going to read 7 through 21 here all at once. We'll just kind of go one verse at a time or a couple verses at a time. Um, so um, maybe you're tired of me saying this, but it'd be very helpful, I think, uh, for you to keep up by kind of keeping this passage open if you can. So starting at verse 7, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Let us love one another. Uh, John's readers already must surely love each other to some extent. Um, I can say that because I John talks about... Um, talks to his audience, as, refers to them as being children of God in, in chapter 3. Um, so they are already Christians. They are already God's children. If they didn't love each other at all, they wouldn't be God's children. So I think he's telling them, you need to keep growing in this area of loving each other. Last Wednesday evening, um, in, the, in the men's class here for, for prayer meeting, we read uh, 1 Thessalonians. 
And in 1 Thessalonians, one of the, we read a few verses that are very relevant to what we're studying this morning. Paul's writing to them and he tells them, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that is indeed what you, what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more. So God is already teaching you. He's already working inside of you to, 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 to bring forth this fruit. But uh, you need to cooperate also. You need to put forth some effort on your own. This, this is something you need to grow in, and it's something that um, it also takes effort on our part. Let us love one another. Love is from God. The love that John's talking about comes only from God. Ungodly people, I, I think, can love each other. I do think ungodly people love each other. I think there's... John here is talking about a special kind of love that is really only possible for Christians. A, a special kind of caring for each other's for each other as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. That is only possible for Christians. And so, um, and, and it's a natural outcome of, of knowing God. I think it was fairly natural for the church in Jerusalem, the early church, to go sell all their possessions and put it all in one big pool. They're going to go help each other. They had this, this love from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. This love only comes from, from God. There's a little restaurant down in Virginia Beach area that I like called Margie and Ray's. And that restaurant sells mugs. And if I see you with a Margie and Ray's mug, then I know that you have been at this location because that's the only place that, um, that you can get that mug from. And I know you don't have my Margie and Ray mug because Grayson broke it. So there's only one place those particular mugs come from. When I see you with that, I know you've been there. When we see each other showing this kind of love and caring for each other, we know you, have a, you, you are in a relationship with the source of love. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. It's, it's part of our identity in Christ. And to, to completely lose love, to completely lose love for each other would be like rejecting this identity. So in these first two verses, we're seeing that uh, love is only possible for those who are born of God. Um, it is something that we need to put effort into, grow into. Let us love one another, it says. And a complete lack of love indicates that someone is not a child of God. Verses 9 and 10. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that you might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Um, God could not have done a better job at proving that he loves us by sending his son. That what more could he do? 
And he sent his son so that we might live through him, which is, this is an ongoing relationship that produces life in us. Um, Jesus, our relationship with the son or being, um, having the son is like a spiritual, I'm trying to think of an illustration here, an IV, something that is life, life-giving. You know, if you're, you're cut off from that, you would lose life. Eternal life comes only through Jesus, and outside of Jesus, you're dying. In chapter 5, John says, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So anyone, no matter how well off they might appear to be, um, whether it's the... uh, the, the wicked man in, in uh, Psalm 37, someone who just really has it all together, maybe. If they don't have the son, um, they're dying. They're, they're half dead. And I have to think that surely, even the richest man on earth, if he's on his deathbed and just you know days away from dying, surely he would be willing to trade places with someone who has very little but is healthy. I would make that trade. And so we should never envy those who are successful in this world's terms, but don't have the sun because they're dying. The poorest person on earth living in Christ is better off, far better off than the richest man who does not have Christ. In John 10, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Moving on to verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We are indebted to love each other. Why? Why should we love each other? Why does what Jesus did on the cross make me need to love you? One reason is if God could show mercy and kindness to me when I didn't deserve it, I should surely show kindness to my brother or sister in Christ. I mean, it just, it just makes sense. Um, also, it makes sense that if I actually do love God, then I would care about what he cares about. Uh, if you love someone, you, you care about what they find to be important. I have a pair of shoes in my closet that are really worn out and ugly and kind of worthless, but I know that Colleen is not going to throw them away because I, I care about them. I have great sentimental value attached to these shoes because I got them in Romania. I wore them for years, just wore them to pieces, really. And, um, you know, maybe someday I'll get them resold. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I have sentimental value attached to them, so I know she's not going to throw them away because she cares about me. She doesn't care about the shoes. She cares about me. And, uh, you know, if you cared about me, you wouldn't throw away those shoes either. So even if you don't naturally have an affection, maybe you even find it a little hard to, to like someone, if they're a brother or sister in Christ, you have great reason to love that person because God loves that person. 
a great deal. And that, the same thing can be extended for people who are outside of our, our, our church, out, who are not Christians. God cares about them also, and that's why we care about them. Another reason why we have this debt to, to love each other is because of when Jesus died on the cross, one of the things he was doing was purchasing this kind of fellowship that we have. And so it says in Acts 20, when, when Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders, that uh, he, tell, he told them, shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his blood. And church obviously just it's not going to work if we don't love each other. Even just friction between two members in the body can, can be a major problem to, to the rest of the body. And so this fellowship, which is, was so costly to Christ, is something we should preserve at all costs uh, by showing love for each other. We are indebted to love each other. Let's move on to verses 12 through 16. We're going to read all of these verses together and... and um, and, and maybe not get stuck on any of them too much. Verses 12 through 16 tell us, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. No one has ever seen God. Pablo was right last week. No one has ever seen God face to face. He's the most important person you can never know you can ever know, but you can't see him. He's the one we must have loved with, with all our heart, mind, and soul, but you can't see him. However, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Even though we can't see God, if we love each other, we know that he abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. The word perfected can also be translated made complete. So God, we are incomplete without God abiding in us and doing this work. He works in us. He makes us complete in our love for each other. God is like, um, wish Lowell was here this morning. Uh, God is like a, a brother-in-law of Lowell's <laughs> who comes to his place and uh, does not like to just sit around but he, he, he's asking, you know, what, what can I do around here? And, and pretty soon he's doing all kinds of projects around the house and renovating things. And that's kind of like God is. You know, he abides in you, but he's not just visiting and, and just, you know, he, he is busy. He is he's renovating us. In fact, he, he didn't just come to visit either. He, he came to change things. And he does change us. He's perfecting us. Verses 13 through 16 tell us that um, not only is, is God's abiding proven in us by our love for each other, but also by the testimony of his spirit. 
Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And verse 14 says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And I don't totally understand that the, the transition between verses 13 and 14. I don't totally follow why verse 14 follows verse 13. Uh, it, it may just be that he is um, kind of continuing his, his thought that he started in verse 12, which is, no one has ever seen God. If we love each other, he abides in us. And when we get to verse 14, and also we, and I think he's talking about himself and the other apostles, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent a Son to be the Savior of the world. We haven't seen God but we have seen his son. We know that he came. We, we saw what happened on the cross. And then verse 15, those who believe in this testimony are in a relationship with God. And then verse 16, and so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Those who, who believe the testimony in verse 14 People who really believe that God sent his son and he was human just like any of us, God's only son, and he actually had spikes driven through his hands and feet and he hung on the cross for six hours and suffered. People who really believe that, if you really believe that, you know that God loves you. Verses 17 and 18 now. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. By this is love perfected with us. By this I think he means by the things that I've just talked about, by believing in God's love for us, by abiding in God, by believing this testimony about who God is, love is perfected with us, in us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. I was, I was in, um, in the jail recently um, at, with our Bible study, and there was one fellow who was arguing, not really with me, but kind of with the rest of the room, <laughs> that um, he said, you, you can't even be like Jesus. And, and, and he, he was right in a way. You, you can't ever be completely like Jesus. But he was saying, you, it's not even right to try to be like Jesus, essentially. It's, it's not even right. You're just lifting yourself up to try to be like him. You're never going to be like him. Don't, don't try. Just you know, spread the gospel. But don't try to be like Jesus. You can't. There's no point. Um, it was a very interesting discussion. This verse here, and unfortunately, because I'd been studying First John, um, after a while, one of the fellows was like, well, what do you think? And so we went back and looked at First uh, John 2, 6, which says, whoever abides in him must also walk as he walked. But um, this verse also speaks to that because he's, John is telling us 
we may have confidence in the day of judgment. In the day of judgment, some people may have, are going to have confidence and some people are not going to have any confidence. We may have confidence in the day of judgment. And what's the basis? What's the basis for this confidence? It is because as he is, so also are we. In other words, there is a resemblance. There is a resemblance to God. If we're never going to be completely like Jesus, all right, and and I understand that. But if there is if there's no resemblance to Jesus, I don't think there's any basis for confidence either. Children of God must re- resemble their parent, their father. That's what First uh, John chapter three spends a lot of time saying, I believe. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, I'm going to take a different slant with this verse than than maybe uh, many of you would, and it's okay if if you don't agree with me. I think verse 18 is is basically a restatement of verse 17. Um, Often when you hear the phrase, perfect love casts out fear, you you would assume, and I I would assume, would have assumed, that is talking about a perfect love for God, which is it is true that as the more we love God, uh, the more confident we are in that relationship. But what John is emphasizing here by perfect love is a love in verse 12. He says, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. The context here of, of perfect love is a love that works itself out of us. It's complete. It's, it shows itself to each other. And um, if that is his definition, his working definition of perfect love, then you could paraphrase the, the verse this way. Love for one another casts out fear. He, he did just finish saying, um, as love is perfected in us, we may have confidence for the day of judgment. And so I think he's saying, that um, telling his readers who need reassuring that as they show this love for each other, they that fruit that they see in their lives should be a source of confidence that they are in they have a relationship with this source of love. And as we have and we have confidence uh, because there is a godlike love in our life, we're not afraid of punishment. We're not afraid of of the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we, or at least we are becoming more like him. Verses 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. We love because he first loved us, not because we're such lovable people, but because we are indebted. He who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. I had a little trouble with this this expression here. What does seeing have, have to do with my ability uh, 
with, with loving our brother or loving God. I, I can think of scenarios where it would seem like it's easier to love an unseen God than a brother I can see who is maybe wrong to me. Think of scenarios where it would make more sense that I could at least feel like I'm loving a God that I can't see than this guy over here. So why is he saying that? I think it maybe relates back to his initial statement that no one has has ever seen God. Uh, But when we look at each other, we are seeing people who are, are, are more than just representatives of God. They are... They're children of God. They have God abiding in them, who God bought with His blood. And and so you, we each of us has this huge debt to God, and we can't really do anything concrete for God. We can't really, you know, He's He's not here in a in a physical way. We can't really do anything for Him in that sense. The next best thing we can do is is to is to do things for each other and serve each other and and serve each other in deed and truth and not just words. Jesus said, as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. If you can't bring yourself to, to love a brother, even if he has wronged you, John says, you don't love God. Uh, I want you to notice how John uses the word not loving and hate and hating interchangeably there in verse 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, he says, hates his brother. He who does not love his brother. John uses those words, hate and does not love, kind of either way. It doesn't really make a difference to him. He uses them interchangeably. If I would replace uh, the word hate, I'm sorry, not love with hate in verse 20 toward the end of that, it would sound like this, which I think is a bit of a jolt. He who hates his brother, whom he has seen, hates God, whom he has not seen. Maybe I'm putting it too strongly, I don't know. But um, that's, he who does not love his brother cannot love God. Hating your brother is the next thing to hating God. And it would seem to me that people who are bitter toward their brothers or sisters in Christ maybe do eventually end up being bitter and angry toward God. Let's recap this passage. And I'll recap it like this. Let's just review some of these reasons why we need to love each other, why we should love each other. Uh, First of all, because God's love for us makes us debtors to love each other. His love was so great and sacrificial that He sent His Son to die for us while we were sinners. His Son was a propitiation for us. And and that makes us debtors to each other. Uh, to reject love is to reject our parentage Those who, because those who have been born of God do show God's love. To not love our brother is to not love God. You haven't seen God but you have seen your brother. And another reason to, to love each other is because I believe love leads to a spiritual maturity. It's good for us as a church to show love to each other, but for each of us personally, I, I believe that as we uh, do that, it has ramifications for us spiritually in that um, it, it can be a source of confidence, like John talked about, and um, 
I, I believe it, it is, is becoming more like what God wants us to be. There aren't any mature, mature Christians out there who are very weak in the area of love for their brothers. Um, was it back in chapter 2? John said, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. How should we apply this lesson? I mean, this is a fairly simple lesson. We should love each other more. Let us love one another. How do you apply this? Um, I think I think practically uh, this works itself out in a lot of, of little everyday ways. Um, acts of service. I remember as I was studying, actually I started studying this, this passage um, back in April, not, not because I, I start on sermons three months ahead of time, because I, I was getting ready for this, and then I realized that, that the Sunday school lesson is here in First John, so that kind of stopped. But as I was studying this passage, I remember um, Granddaddy had passed away around that time. We got flowers from Carlin and Susan. I remember that. I remember that Nan uh, caught Colleen in the grocery store and paid for her groceries, something like that. And I was thinking, oh, this is interesting. It goes along very well with this sermon I'm studying for. Acts of service, showing caring for each other. This is how we, we show love for each other. Um, also, it can be as simple as just listening to someone and hearing them out before we spout off our opinion. Um, it can be just being patient with each other. Um, it can be being open to criticism and not too uh, fragile. It can be also even giving gentle criticism, loving criticisms to each other. And it can be it should be believing the best about each other. I think one area that, that we could um, continue to focus on uh, would be for us to remain involved in each other's lives. This is kind of a general statement, but I, I really encourage you to be involved in each other's lives and uh, stay in touch. It's, I, I think, a good way for us to come up short in the area of, of loving each other would be to get kind of out of touch with each other and, and uninvolved. Because it's, it's hard to serve people you're not involved with and you don't really know what needs or challenges they, they face. It's kind of hard to help them out. Um, one of the things I've done is simply I, I, uh, I don't go home right away after church most times. Sometimes I do. But mostly I, that's, that's kind of my natural inclination. We get done with church, I'm ready to go home. And I, I think I do that less, all right? And plenty of us have, uh, there, are, there are good reasons for going home right away. I'm not going to judge you if you do. But um, it is important for us to be involved with each other and, and talk to each other and kind of take interest in each other's lives and challenges. I think, I think that's an important area for us to continue to some, put some focus in that, in staying involved in each other's lives. All of these things are going to take some sacrifice but we should remember uh, this verse, which I'll close with. I'll close with uh, the verse from chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So may God work in us so that we have that kind of love. Let's have a song. <clears throat>